This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. So yesterday we were involved in a conversation about truancy. And... um, we had an educator, retired educator from Mississippi, Colin Kelly Schwartz, and she's going to join us in a moment, uh, that wanted to talk about uh, truancy, literacy, uh, and, and things of that nature and the importance of same. I'm a big believer in having a truancy program of being very intrusive and making sure that our kids are actually going to school because of the following. A first grader with nine or more absences is two times more likely to drop out of high school. About 82% of prisoners are high school dropouts. 70% of all incarcerated adults cannot read at a fourth grade level. Attendance is a bigger predictor of high school graduation than our test scores. Truancy is the single most powerful predictor of juvenile delinquent behavior. Children who are chronically absent have a three and a half times higher likelihood, yes, of being arrested. Children who are truant are more likely to become involved in crime, either as a victim or a perpetrator. Children who are chronically absent are more likely to use cigarettes, marijuana, alcohol, and other drugs. Children who were chronically absent grow into adults who are more likely to smoke, have a shorter life expectancy, and have poor health. Need I say anything more? And the list goes on and on. And none of the outcomes are pretty. So you ask yourself, Why are we not having more robust conversations about truancy? Kelly Schwartz, retired educator from Mississippi, joins us. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Kelly, I'm so glad that we were able to accommodate you today. I know you called in. You wanted to talk yesterday, and I said to to Coleman on the board, I said, ask Kelly if she'll just join us tomorrow. I want to have this discussion. So, Kelly, uh, your experience as an educator in, in, you know, as it relates to literacy, truancy, and alike. My experience goes back to 1988. I actually began in the trenches changing diapers and taking care of toileting needs for children who couldn't. I then became an assistant 
I then went back and got my degree to be a teacher. I then became an administrator for the district. So I've seen this pattern of truancy from the time my children were little in school. And I truly believe that truancy has almost become an acceptable social dilemma, and it's going to take a huge paradigm shift to make change. It's going to take a concerted effort by school officials, mental health specialists, the court system training for parents, because that is where it starts. It is, you know, I heard um, yesterday about tracking it, about Raphael Goinecci saying schools need to do a better job of tracking it. When I was reading up on the New Orleans truancy problem, I saw that they had 12 truancy officers from the 90 charter schools in New Orleans. Now, I'm not sure about the rest of the schools, but 12. If you can't inspect what you expect, there will be no results. And that's a big part of it, that we see see a big part of it here. The truancy rate in in Louisiana is 45%. In Mississippi, Mm -hmm. it's 24%. And we have made some changes over the past five years in regards to our attendance policy. And I think it makes it more manageable, and that's one of the things that has to be manageable. You can't have 12 days. The, the NOVA policy allows you to have 12 days before you real. They say five. They check after five. But the more I read, the more I realized that this is not happening. So you get 12 pass-go freebies, no note, no parent note. An unexcused absence is does not have a parent note, my child had a sore throat or a doctor's note. They're without explanation. So in New Orleans, they get 12 of these freebies. And you realize how big of a part of a nine-week period that is. For mm-hmm. high school students earning credits who are taking a quarterly class, they will not get that credit. And and that's where you, where you were talking about the graduation rate. This definitely affects the graduation rate. And Shay O'Connor was reporting that they're seeing it earlier and earlier, kindergarten, first, second, and third grade. We are too. In my years as an administrator, we saw it earlier and earlier. And then it becomes a habit. And then the child gets so far behind. If they would put me in a, a French class right now, I would be lost and not know what to do. It's the same thing for a child who has not learned to read, who does not know multiplication, and doesn't have the social skills to know how to get the help. Let and, me ask. Let me in, interrupt you right yes. there, Kelly. I want to ask one question about catching up. Is the school system actually designed to really catch up students once they've fallen behind like that because of unexcused absences? I would say all schools have a plan. The the willingness of the participant is the biggest factor in that. Um, I know that we have seat time. If you miss too many days, you do have to come to the school, sit at the computer, do your work. At least this is how it was when I was there. 
So there is a plan for catching students up. And not only that, we we have people who go into people's homes. If we find out there's something that for some reason a child cannot come to school, but it's still truancy because the parent is not making the child come to school. Because after a while, they just don't feel like they belong. And it, it really is going to take a reasonable number of unexcused days. What we did here is broke it down into four per semester, four unexcused. So that's a whole lot more manageable than waiting for a child to accumulate 12. And so yeah. once the four rolls over, it triggers a call to the truancy officer. And the truancy officer will usually visit the parent. And sometimes they're not very receptive. And sometimes we take a sheriff's officer with us because we don't know what to expect. So suggestions would be take that 12 and reduce it. But you have to have enough follow-through, enough personnel, enough funding to be able to inspect what you expect and then follow through with the plan that you have, because a lot of what the research that I have done, it ends when you can't get a parent to be compliant. Bingo. And and it starts right there in kindergarten. It having enough resources is is a big deal. Follow through with assistance or consequences is a big deal. Mandatory parental student support and training. And we did have NAMI courses that were free, National American Mental Health Institute, um, that we provided in our district, and it was free. We could not get parents to come. I think the biggest turnaround in lowering our truancy rate has been the change and just allowing them to have 12 blanket missed days and breaking it down and keeping up with it more. I think you also have to have options for those who are so far behind that they're not going to make it. I know we have Job Corps in Gulfport on a smaller scale. We have Camp Shelby in Mississippi you know, can we get them to go to that? Sometimes not. But when we're talking about the school and how we can fix the problem there, changes need to be made at the school board level, but they need to be able to have the resources to follow through on that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, and, and that's why I wanted to have you back, because your truancy rate in Mississippi is about heck, just not, yes. not quite half of what it is here in Louisiana. Uh, and that, that doesn't just happen, right? you you got to make things happen. And that's exactly. what you're talking about, having the resources, the follow-through, the follow-up. Um, you got to be intrusive. Um, and, Very And intrusive. as you said, you cannot wait till 
12 absences to go get intrusive uh, because when they're missing that much school, uh, it doesn't work. And and I know that you, and you said that, you, you know, there was a plan, but that takes a lot of resources to go catch kids up. And it, it's just not fair to the system, you know, and these parents need to be held accountable at some level. I'm not saying throwing them in jail or anything like that, but there need there needs to be a wake-up call that this is not acceptable. You know, this is not going to happen because there is no, not a single positive outcome for these kids that are truant. And the sooner that we come to that realization, I think the better we'll all be, right? And yes, the better the children will be because it is our job as educators and members of the community to make sure they get an education. I am not opposed to putting parents in jail for truancy at a certain level when the child is dependent on the parent to get them up and get them to school. And we have done that before where the parents have to serve weekend jail time. Really? And yes, yes, we have. And it word gets around. And I'm sorry if you have to work at Walmart on Saturday and Sunday. Send your child to school. Yeah. Send your child to school. I'm not opposed to that one bit because yeah, you had you to... had the child. You have an obligation, right? It's you're not right. The, these children are not intended to be wards of the state, right? I mean, no. Youth court does get involved, but youth court is so overwhelmed that where do they put these children? And until they get to be, I would say, of driving age. The parent is responsible for getting them up and getting them to school. And then I believe it needs to be on the child. And that's how we've handled things in our district before. But parents, I don't have a problem being intrusive. And I'm so glad you said that because it's it's in the best interest of everybody involved. Because our prisons are just becoming more full of illiterate people because somebody didn't want to take a stand and be intrusive. It's so true. So let me ask you this. Our truancy rate in Louisiana is 45%. Before the pandemic, it was 36%, because it, so it wasn't stellar then either. So it wouldn't surprise you that our dropout rate is 9.6%, the second highest in the U.S., doesn't surprise you at all, does it? It it does not surprise me. And and dropout rate is is something else that harms the school. Schools are punished, penalized for a low dropout rate. And what happens if you have a child in one high school who is not attending school, getting in trouble, getting kicked out? And they go register at another school. They come from school A to school B. Because there was a transfer from school A to school B, that child is not a dropout to school A. That child now becomes a dropout to school B. And it's, it's not fair that that's even allowed to happen. And we have to be, as educators, and, and watch that. Because it happens so much, and the dropout rate is 
calculated by the ninth grade cohort. So when they transfer from eighth grade or into the ninth grade, even if they're 16, that's going to count as a dropout for the school who has enrolled that child. Yeah. Do you... Is it, this is not rocket science, right, for schools to report if there's like a truancy assessment center type thing that, you know, uh, Billy and Billy Joe and Joanne and Steve and this one and that one, they're absent today. Um, you know, somebody needs to call and find out what, what's going on. Um you know, if, if you have a coordinated effort of a number of people, how, how difficult can that be? I mean, we did something. I was the sheriff in Jefferson Parish, and we participated, yes, yes. you know, in a program. that That's what we did. And they summoned parents in after a certain number of absences and say, hey, what's the skinny here? What's going on? This can't happen. This is not – we're not going to tolerate this. You know, you, you need to tell us, articulate what is the problem, what – What's your plan to remediate it? Uh, are we going to have to take measures? If you want us to right. take measures, we're happy to take measures. But right. that's not what we really want to do. We really believe that you're the one that needs to resolve this issue. It's not rocket science, is it? No. And we've always given the parents the opportunity with our support to correct the situation. And then if they don't correct the situation then we do what we have to do to try to protect that child because as a parent and as an educator, my job as a parent is to make sure my child gets the best education possible, that they are in school. It is an expectation, but it's we're losing that expectation. And that's why I say this is becoming an acceptable social dilemma. Mm-hmm. And if you yeah. look, it's familial, it's in families, it's in groups of people who move together from one place to another. And the expectation is not to go to school. Did it's you get okay. weary? Did you grow weary of the excuses? Because I'm, I'm, I'm weary of the excuses. Very. Very. Yeah, I, I mean... I just, I'm tired of hearing it. You have children. When you have children, you have obligations. And you have to be held accountable. And we're not going to buy our way out of this problem, right? I mean. No. No. And like I said, I, I think making it manageable, number one, is the beginning to hopefully reducing that truancy rate. But accountability and resources have to be there. But going back to what you said about the excuses and the reasons, my skin got very tough, and I just called it like I saw it. It, I really felt like I was an officer of the courts more than a school official because it is such a big problem. And I found that most people do want help. They do want help. But if you get the child to an age where the child has, it's been acceptable for the child to not come to school, to not do their homework, to not make up seat time, to not do any of that, then you're fighting a losing battle. So we have to reach them at a much earlier age 
Absolutely. Uh, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. You've been a difference maker most of your life, all of your life, and you're still a difference maker today in that retirement category. I'm jealous. I wish I was. (laughs) (laughs) One day. No, I love your show. Don't retire. One day. But thank you so much for joining us. It's so great to meet you um, and, and sharing your experience with us. Kelly Schwartz, retired educator from Mississippi. Have a great holiday season, Kelly. Same to you, Newell. Thank you for what you do. All righty, folks. We will be right back. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 